What is going on, everybody? You are listening to the J-Red Show. The NHL will allow its athletes, its pro athletes, into the 2022 Olympics. So there are two dates. The majority of West of Buffalo slash Western New York sports fans should have on their calendars. Now, I said the majority. I realize that not everybody who is a Sabres fan is also a Bills fan, and I or a Team USA hockey fan. And I also realize that not everybody who likes the Bills also likes hockey. And that's perfectly fine. You can root for whatever team you want. But for the majority of sports fans in Buffalo, there are two dates they should have circled on the calendar. February 13th and February 20th of 2022. February 13th will have Super Bowl 56. And it has... And there is a very good chance that game will include the Buffalo Bills. And on February 20th will be the gold medal game. And there is a very good chance that game will include Team USA. Of course, we got to hope these games happen because coronavirus and terrorism and other issues do threaten them. But for the long-suffering Sabres fans, um, like I said, as I said earlier, most of them who have gone a full decade without playoffs, and it's very unlikely the Sabres are going to make it this year, these two, these two games, these two events are what's going to hold them over like an appetizer as we wait for a big meal. And yes, I know those, the Bills are not guaranteed to be there, and Team USA is not guaranteed to be there, but there's a very good chance they're going to be there. The Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. They're going to be up there with Kansas City and Tampa Bay as a legit Super Bowl contender, and Team USA is going to be up there with Canada and Russia as a contender for the gold medal. This is probably... this is. Once the rosters are assembled, this is probably going to be one of the best rosters Team USA has ever assembled. Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, Eichel on the second line. I think I think the first line will be Kyle Connor, Austin Matthews, and Patrick Kane. Second line, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel, Alice DeBrenniket. Third line, Johnny Goudreau, JT Miller, Jake Gunzel. Fourth line, Max Pacioretty, Joe Pavelski, Brock Boisier, and I think TJ Oshie and Jack Hughes will round it out. For the defense, they like Jacob Slavin and Charlie McAvoy, Quinn Hughes and Adam Fox for the second line, Zach Werner and Seth Jones for the third line, and then John Carlson and Ryan McDonough for the fourth line. And then for the goalies, you have Connor Hellboy, John Gibson, and Thatcher Demko. That is a very good team. But, as I said, while expectations are very high for the Buffalo Bills and expectations are very high for Team USA, 
Expectations are very low for the Buffalo Sabres. Unlike the Bills in USA, it is very unlikely the Sabres are going to have any meaningful games late in this se- in 2022. It is very likely going to be a 10th year in a ro- row without pl- an 11th year in a row without playoffs, and a very likely an- another year where the Sabres are near the bottom of the NHL standings. So Sabres fans need to keep their expectations low if they want to watch this team. Next year will be a success for Sabres fans if Rasmus Dahlin continues to look good like what he did in that last month of the season under Don Granato. Next year will be a success if Don Granato can pick up that le- that play the improved play of the Sabres in the last month of last year. I mean, the Sabres looked way better. The Sabres under Granado were not great, but they looked way better than what they did under Kruger. Next year will be a success if Dylan Cousins continues to look good, if Tage Thompson and Casey Milstack continue to improve. Casey, if, if Yoki Haru continues to look good, um... Both Middlestat and Yoki Ayu have re-signed for um, three years and $2.5 million, respectively. And there's two things that are most important. The, the, I think the most important thing is um, this, the Sabres continue to improve their scouting department. They continue to improve their hockey department. The Buffalo Sabres have added more scouts. They have just signed... Um, Marty Steen from the Detroit Red Wings. Lucas Sutter um, will be in. He and Lucas Sutter, who is the son of former NHL star Rich Sutter, will be um, in charge of what, scouting Western Canada for the Sabres. So that's good news for the Buffalo Sabres. And the other thing Sabres fans should be rooting for is that they get a good return for Jack Eichel. Again, we're rooting for the Bills and Team USA to win their championships this year. But after that's done, uh, we want the Sabres to be good, to have meaningful games late in the season, in their season, and to get to the playoffs and get to those big games. And if they're going to do that sooner rather than later... They got to get a good return from Jack Eichel and not have another Ryan O'Reilly trade. In order to get a good return for Jack Eichel, they got to. Jack Eichel needs to play. He needs to show. Jack Eichel needs to increase his trade value. And the only way he's going to do that is if he gets healthy and he plays for either the Buffalo Sabres. Team USA, or both. That should convince some of their other general managers to give up some of their top prospects for Eichel. We're less than a month away from training camp, and it does look like Jack Eichel is going to be on. Is not going to be traded beforehand. It looks like he's going to have one more year of the Sabers. So they got to get this um, surgery done and get him back on the ice as soon as possible to try and increase that trade value. 
So, what are your thoughts on that? Hit me on Twitter at JRedShow. Now, I go on to a team that I don't know what to expect from. The New York Yankees. My expectations um, for this team has gone up and down. On whether or not I think they're good enough to win the World Series. I hate to be that overly dramatic fan who every time they win... I feel like they're going to win the World Series, and every time they lose, I feel like they suck. But that's kind of the vibe I've been getting from this Yankees team. Today, they beat the the Yankees defeat the Orioles four to three. Um, Aaron Judge had a um, hit. Uh, Stanton hit two hits and two RBIs, including the walk off game winner in the bottom of the eleventh inning. But, this has been a weird Yankees year. A few months ago, the Yankees were about five, had a, about a 500 record, and they were nine games back of the Boston Red Sox. I thought to myself, they're not gonna make the world. They're not gonna make the World Series this year, and probably not gonna make the playoffs. I thought the division was, not that I thought the Yankees were bad, but I thought the Yankees were, but I thought the division was stacked. The Yankees had some huge problems, especially with the manager. And I really thought the correct course of action for the Yankees was to be sellers at the trade deadline and punt on this year. Try to load up on some prospects and come back next year. But the Yankees did the opposite. They were buyers the deadline. And they got Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. After that, they went on a tear. They won 35 of 47 games. Which included a third which ended with a 13-game winning streak. The longest in Major League Baseball and the New York Yankees history since 1961. Wait, I take that back. The Cleveland Indians had a 22-game winning streak since 2017. But this was the longest Yankee winning streak since 1961. But I also mentioned during that time they won 13 of the last 14 20 of their last 24, 30 of their last 39, and 35 of their last 37. Every Yankee team that had streaks like that would go on to win the World Series. And I was starting to think, you know, this team might be good enough to win the World Series. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe um, Rizzo and Gallo was what. Just solved all the Yankees' problems. But then they lost four games in a row two to Oakland and two to um, the Angels. And this is why I talk about how I, how I possibly could be overreacting. It's like after a 13 game winning streak, a four game losing streak is what gets you to say, no, this is not a World Series contender. 
Well, they could still win the World Series. I mean, I guess we won't exactly know until October. We will see what they do in October. However, here is my concern. They are six and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who have also been red hot. So, I am pessimistic that the Yankees are going to win the division, which means their season will be on the line, could very well be on the line, in the American League wildcard game. And at this rate, it looks like they're going to face the Boston Red Sox, who is three games ahead of Oakland, four games ahead of Seattle, and five games ahead of Toronto. Again, anything could happen, but it looks like it could. It, it looks like it's going to be Yankees versus Red Sox in the American League Wild Card game. On one hand, it would be it would be an awesome way to write another chapter in sports' greatest rivalry. However, that would pro- that would mean the Yankees would go up against. The red hot Chris Sale. And I'll say is good luck trying to hit against a red hot Sale. As good as the Yankees batting has been met. As good as the Yankees batting has been. I mean, good luck against Chris Sale. The Yankees would probably roll out Garrett Cole, but that starts to nip away at my optimism for this playoff. Again, I guess we'll not, the Yankees have kind of swayed my optimism and pessimism back and forth. We will ultimately see how good they are in um, October. I know some Yankee fans want Brian Cashman and um, Aaron Boone fired. Um, I'm not there yet, but if they go one and done out of the wild card game then I think they should both be on a hot seat. Well, Boone might... I would be happy if Boone was fired and Cashman had a very short leash. Salary cap or no salary cap, it's hard to imagine the Yankees won't eventually win another World Series with this core of Judge, Stanton, Cole, Torres, Sanchez. But... Something just isn't right with this Yankees team. They make too many mistakes. They hit too many du- double plays. Again, they they be- they did beat Baltimore today, but it's the Baltimore Orioles. The, the Orioles are one of the worst teams in baseball history, and the Yankees needed extra innings to beat them. But ultimately, we'll wait and see. What are your thoughts here on Twitter, Jared Show? Now we head out west to Los Angeles, um, and... What a season by Shohei Hotani. He has 40 home runs. He's he, but he's not only does he has 40 home runs, but he's 5 and 0 with an ERA of 170 157 1.57 and 37 strikeouts. We are seeing baseball history in the making. We are seeing a fantastic player. But it begs the question, how can the Angels have Shohei Hotani, Mike Trout, and Albert Pujols, and yet still be terrible. 
how could this franchise produce three of the best play baseball players ever in today's game, I should say, and yet not win a playoff game since 2009? Art Moreno simply put, the guy meddles too much in Angels affairs. He meddles too much with the general managers, and that's why the Angels can't get out of their own way. We had the Mike Social debacle where he stood around for way too long. Moreno does spend money, but he doesn't spend it wisely. Honestly, some thoughts about the CL Seahawks. Um, one thing that really impressed me about the Seahawks is all the backs. Um, they have five running backs. Carson and um, Penny figure to be locks. But all three of Deshae Dallas, Travis Homer, and Alex Collins are on the 53. We'll see if one of Dallas, Homer, or Collins end up traded for the cut. If not, expect them to be, to be healthy scratches among uh, the team. The biggest surprise cut is Penny Hart. I thought Hart would have been the fifth wide receiver on the death chart. He's quite versatile and might have an, an opportunity here to, in there to get involved in the Seahawks offense. Hart has also had a couple of impressive plays on special teams last season. Another thing, that surpri- another thing that surprises me is that Jamaco Jones survives the roster cuts. Um, he has 11, they have 11 offensive linemen. I thought both Phil Haynes and Jake Cullen were current would have been enough to push Jones off the roster. But they also had another semi-surprise cut in Jordan Simmons. They have three quarterbacks, but probably not in the long term. Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, and Sean Manneman. Manneman, you know. Manneman, sorry. I don't think this holds up. And we'll see either Gino or Sean get pretty gone pretty, pretty soon. It would be wise to keep an extra quarterback for COVID-19 reasons. But if CL didn't do it last year, then I doubt they'll do it this year. Also, you can stop with the Doug Baldwin comparisons. It was John Ursa in 2019 and Kay Johnson in 2021. There's only one Doug Baldwin. Johnson may yet may, 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 Johnson may yet make the practice squad or not be the fifth wide receiver later this season. But it pertains to Kay specifically as why Doug Harrison's need to stop. But Seahawks fans should be glad they kept Collins. Running back death is needed because running backs tend to get hurt these days. Collins, be a sh- Collins can be a sh- the short yard guy. Might as well keep Penny and see if he can thrive. The new thought process, um, or at least an ultimate one. Let's assume for the moment Parkinson's ready for week one and they still have, and they still have 11 linemen. Maybe we'll see more third tackle and third tight end formations. Homer is the de facto fullback as of now. Seahawks fans should hope to see very few third downs this year. It requires services. The other four make a very dynamic reputation. I still think wide receivers is a way for insurance and special teams at the quarterback two situation is good up. Penny is number two, but deployed entirely different and then quite often at the same time. As Collins, but as all over the field. Collins is your Carson backup in Dallas for Penny. In soccer, uh, Portugal defeats Ireland 2-1 in the 2022 World Cup qualifying qualifiers. And Cristiano Ronaldo got both goals for Portugal. He is now the all-time scorer at the national level with 111 goals. And has 700... 781 goals total for his career. One thing that's exciting about soccer is that that um, 
we are seeing Cristiano Ronaldo and um, Lionel Messi play at the same time. This is the equivalent of seeing Michael Jordan and LeBron James play at the exact same time. And as people debate, I mean, the difference between Jordan versus LeBron and Ronaldo versus Messi is, like I said, Jordan, I mean, a lot of people people do argue Jordan versus LeBron, but at the end of the day, they played in different eras, so you can't compare their games. In soccer, we're seeing Ronaldo and Messi play in the same era, play at the same time. I mean, yes, they play in different leagues, like Ronaldo's playing in England and Messi's playing in France. But still, both are making soccer history at the same time. Both are smashing records for most goals. And the only downside is, um, once they've both retired, I don't think we'll ever see another athlete, another soccer player, achieve what Ronaldo and Messi achieved. Like who's gonna be the fa- who's gonna be the face of soccer when both Ronaldo and Messi retire? My guess is gonna be Harry Kane, but I don't know. I hope we see another superstar arise from the after these two leave. But that's for the future. As of now, they are, these two are giving us very exciting soccer action. They're breaking records and they're making the sport fun to watch. What are your thoughts? Hit me on Twitter at Jared Show, and I'll see you later.